you will notice, uh, although I am preaching through Exodus, today I am actually preaching from the book of Romans. Uh, I've got a real bad ring. I don't know. I don't know if the pulpit mic is on, but this should work. That sounds perfect. Um, so I am preaching through Exodus, and yet this morning I want to preach a message from Romans because we have an incredibly important question that we have to answer before we go to the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. So this morning, I want to give you my outline. I've got three points. First, the problem. Are we free from the law or not? Second, the solution. How we are to live to the Lord. And then, thirdly, the solution. How to love your brothers and sisters. And by way of introduction, let me confess that I love pigs. Pigs are the tastiest animal in all of God's creation. For a long time, <laughs> for a long time, I did not have a passage of scripture. The church that I grew up in and a couple of people I have known have kind of encouraged, you need a life verse. What's a verse that you turn to in a moment of crisis? What's a verse you cling to? And for a long time, I don't know if I had commitment issues, but I just, I couldn't come up with anything that I felt, you know, this is it. And so, half joking, half serious, I said, Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Because in Acts chapter 10, the scriptures are perfectly clear that we are free to eat bacon. And while this is funny, it also points to a very serious issue. So next week, we will be looking at the Ten Commandments in Exodus, and we will have to answer if Christians are free from the law, and we are, what do we do with the Ten Commandments? Some have said that we can effectively cut them out of the Bible, although they would never do that with scissors. They would say that it's irrelevant because we are free from the law through Christ, and so we learn how to obey God through the New Testament now. They... The Ten Commandments were for God's people before Jesus came, and now that Jesus has come, we no longer need them. Most of the Ten Commandments are given again in the teachings of Jesus and in the letters of the New Testament. So they would say, you know, the, the law was clarified through Christ, and we understand it better now. We don't need to turn to Exodus to understand what it means to obey God. But I believe that that is actually wrong. And next week, I want to take a close look at Exodus, and we'll probably have at least two messages in talking about each of the Ten Commandments and understanding how it is that we are called to walk in obedience. And to understand the, the depth of this problem and how to understand what the law means for us as believers in Jesus Christ, I want to begin by looking at what Jesus clearly taught in Matthew chapter 5. So before we go to our main text today in Romans, let me encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. And in Matthew 5, we're going to look at verses 17 to 20. And I apologize, uh, there's a slight error in the bulletin that is my error entirely. I meant to type Matthew 5, and I hit an extra one, so it says Matthew 15. If you go to Matthew 15, there actually is a very good passage that talks about our relationship with food, and Jesus declares all foods clean. But today I want to look at Matthew chapter 5. So Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 17, Jesus says this, 
Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Notice, not only does Jesus say very clearly that heaven and earth will pass away, but not one iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. He makes it very clear that we are called to obey and to teach it as people living in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was at hand when Christ came, but Christ was not on the throne until he ascended into heaven. And we enjoy part of the kingdom of God now in the present. And Jesus says that if we want to be great in the kingdom of God, that we are to teach his laws and to do them. The, the, the killer verse in this passage is, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And now some people have said, Jesus is saying, you can't be a good person and go to heaven. You need Jesus Christ. You need Jesus to die for your sins and rise from the dead. And that is true. But Jesus did not die for you so that you could continue to live in sin. What Jesus has died for is so that we are in a right relationship with God and by the mercy of God, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to learn to walk in obedience. So when Jesus says that we are called to obedience, we are to learn to obey. And one day, by the grace of God, we will walk in righteousness just like Jesus does because of the work of Christ, because of the gift of the Spirit. And right now, we are learning to do that. We don't do it perfectly. But that is what we have been saved for. So Jesus, in his own teaching, very clearly says we need to know the law, we need to understand it and obey it and teach others to do the same. But if that's the case, why do I eat bacon? Within Jesus' teaching, we have in different places, here is one of them, the seeds of the teaching that his saving work on the cross does change things. He speaks authoritatively. One of the, the hallmarks of Jesus' preaching and teaching ministry was that he spoke with one having authority. And he spoke authoritatively about what it meant to observe the Sabbath. And also, as I mentioned, in Matthew 15, he taught very clearly that what you eat does not make you spiritually clean or unclean. In Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 5, verse 7, Mark adds as an aside, when Jesus made that statement that what you eat does not make you unclean, he declared all foods clean. And so we are welcome to partake with thankfulness the good things that God has made for us to eat. In the passage that we just read in Matthew chapter 5, he does say something that implies a change is coming when the law is fulfilled. And he fulfills the law perfectly. So the question is, what is that change? And to be honest, the whole New Testament 
speaks about this change, especially the book of Galatians and Hebrews and a significant portion of Romans and Colossians also talks about this. So very likely this message will raise more questions than it will answer. And I hope that drives you to the scripture so that you read Galatians and Colossians and and Romans and Hebrews and begin to learn what exactly God has done for us in Christ and what kind of obedience he has called us to. I'm not going to be able to answer all of those things, nor could I. So I want to urge you to examine the scriptures for yourselves. But in a single sentence, if I were to try and summarize the change that comes because Christ has fulfilled the law for us, here's here's what I believe we can say. Since our sins are paid for by the blood of Christ we can come into the presence of a holy God. Since our sins are paid for because of the blood of Christ, we can come into the presence of a holy God. Many of the laws of Moses, especially in Leviticus, so we won't be talking about them as much in Exodus. Someday I'll preach through Leviticus. But many of the laws of Moses are intended to be symbols of purification. So some of them forbid unclean things. Like if you touch a dead animal or you eat an animal that ate dead things and trash. This is partly why pigs are forbidden is they eat filthy things. If you do that, God says you are not fit to come into the tabernacle or later the temple and worship in his holy presence because God is completely pure and death and destruction is a consequence of sin and you cannot have that in the presence of a holy God. So many of the laws talked about being cleansed from that contamination in order to worship God in his presence in the tabernacle and in the temple. They talk about washings. They talk about animal sacrifices. And even with washings and sacrifices, God's people in the Old Testament could not go into the most holy place within the temple because the holiness of God would be destructive to sinful people. But now, through the blood of Christ, we can come into the presence of God and there is no need to keep ritual law. In fact, the scripture says God's spirit resides within us. Even though we still battle with a sinful nature, God himself is present in the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that is only possible because Jesus has died for our sins and paid the complete and total price so that we are acceptable To a holy God. Now turn with me to the book of Romans. Before we go to Romans 14. You can see Romans 14. The page numbers for the blue Bibles and the red Bibles are up on the screen. Turn with me to Romans. Before we look at Romans 14. Let me read Romans chapter 8 in just two verses. And this is a really, really... Romans 6 on is really rich at helping us understand. Okay, if we're saved by grace, then why do we bother to obey? This tells us why. So Romans chapter 8. Now look with me starting at verse 3 says, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. So pause for a second. The law could not bring us to God because we were not able to obey. Paul in Romans 1 and 2 has described how both Jews and Gentiles are under condemnation because we cannot obey any of the truth of God that we have. So if you're a Gentile and you've never heard of the Ten Commandments, you don't know that, you still violate your conscience and are unable to come to God because you are guilty. And if you're a Jew and you have the law of God, it's a tremendous blessing. 
But that blessing stands to condemn you because you cannot keep the law. And so the law itself did not bring us to God. Now continue. So for what God has done, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh, by our flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This is what Jesus was talking about. Unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees, well, now through Christ Jesus, the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us when we walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, none of us does this perfectly right now, but God's intention for us is not to disregard His clear commands, but to walk in the power of the Spirit and to learn to love them and to learn to obey them so we experience the blessings of God. The great hope of being a Christian is now through the Spirit of God, our hearts are being changed so we learn to love obedience. Whereas before, when you heard the command of God, you hated it and wanted to do the things that He forbade you to do. But now, by the mercy of God, you begin to understand God's kindness and blessing through obedience, and that's only possible in the power of the Holy Spirit. So to, to, to get back to the, the bacon example, although we are free to eat pork, that is a ceremonial law that because before of our uncleanliness we were not able to approach God, now that we are clean through the precious blood of Christ, I can come to him and I don't need to keep the ceremonial laws of ritual cleansing and washing and abstaining from certain foods. I am free in the power of the Spirit, to learn to obey the commands of God, and I can come directly into His presence, and I do not need to worry about the external signs that were teaching us about our sin. But here's the thing. Although we are free to eat pork, the death of Jesus does not change the reality that dishonoring your parents, adultery, Lying, stealing, and coveting are all still wrong. And I focused on the last half of, of the, the Ten Commandments. I'll say a lot more about the first half in coming messages. We are not free from the law in the sense that murder is all of a sudden okay. Through the death of Jesus, we who were once unclean have now been made clean so that we can come into the presence of God. And here's the thing. No one in the presence of God, will ever want to sin. And this is one of the most beautiful things about Christianity. As confusing as some of the Bible can be, as we try to wrestle with this understanding, this new identity of who we are in Christ, here is the simple way to put it, the simple way that Jesus put it, when someone asked him, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The reality is the early church wrestled with what they needed to do and not do as they looked at the laws of Moses. And so I want to spend the rest of my sermon looking at Romans 14, where Paul explains what it means to love your fellow Christian. That's the second. If you love God, love your brother, love your neighbor as yourself. Paul says, if you love your neighbor as yourself, you will love him enough to limit your freedom in Christ. 
That's how you love your brother as you both seek to obey the Lord. Let me be clear. Nowhere in Scripture is the law of God negated so that it's now okay to disobey God's clear commands. If you kill someone, I am not going to say, well, you're free in Christ. I love you, man. You do you. That is not going to happen. That's not what Paul is saying. And the New Testament is amazingly clear that we cannot tolerate sin in each other. Let me add this. 1 John 5.3 says this, For this is the love of God. And 1 John 5.3 is talking in the context of loving your brothers and sisters. If, you, if you've been born of God, you will love God's children. And by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. That's 1 John 5.2. 1 John 5.3 says this, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. The blood of Jesus did not make it acceptable to break the commands of God. Quite the opposite. It made it possible to obey them joyfully. And so Paul gives us two clear guidelines. First, and this is the second point of my outline. So first, I've stated the problem. Do we keep the law or no? And I'm arguing, yes, not as a way to be justified or forgiven. We are forgiven through Christ Jesus. But... We are called to obedience in the power of the Holy Spirit so that Jesus' righteousness becomes a way of life for us. It's not only something that's given to us, it's something that becomes alive in us. And so the the second point of my outline today is the solution, we are to live to the Lord. And let me read, and most of what I'm going to do for the, the next few minutes is just let the scriptures speak for themselves. So in Romans 14, I'm going to read 12 verses, and I've just got one or two things to say about them. But I believe that the scripture is very clear here. So Romans chapter 14, starting in verse 1, says, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. And this comes in the context of our scripture reading. We are bound by the law of love. So the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. So you have freedom? Don't look down on someone who tries to keep the law in this way or who feels called to a higher standard. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and of the living." Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. 
So then each of us will give an account of himself to the Lord. Paul's radical teaching is that we live to the Lord, that he is our master. That's part of what the word Lord means. He is in charge. He is the boss. And he ends this section very clearly saying, we will all be accountable to him. He is our holy and righteous judge. We are preparing in this life to stand before him. Don't get in the way of your brother or sister trying to live according to conscience. And you make sure that you are faithful to live to the Lord with a clean conscience. Paul mentions two things specifically in his passion. We still fight about food and how to observe the Sabbath. And I'll be preaching more about the Sabbath in just a few weeks. I think we have a lot to learn there. I have a lot to learn there. And partly, I think you can see in the Sabbath the great freedom that Paul very clearly says here. He says the day does not matter. You want to worship on Saturday? Fine. You want to worship on Sunday? Fine. That, that doesn't matter. But here's, here's what does matter. If someone as an issue of conscience says, I have to worship on Saturday, you don't try to persuade them otherwise unless they've come to you to try and learn and seek how we can both better obey the Lord. Same with food. If you're convinced before God that you can't eat something, you live with a clean conscience. He's talking about how to apply these Old Testament laws that don't seem real clear in our New Testament context where Jesus has fulfilled the law for us. And so he's saying in matters of confusion, you love each other by respecting each other and don't look down on someone who has a different opinion than you. You love your brother by making sure that he or she is free to walk with a clean conscience before God. He's not talking about areas where the word of God is clear. So let me stress, when he talks about one brother says one day is holy, another says all days alike, the brother that says all days alike, uh, Martin Luther was actually like that. He said that there was no distinction between the Sabbath or any other day, but that wasn't so that he didn't go to church and just went about his life as a pagan. He said all days are sacred. All days are brought up to the level of the Sabbath. And we worship God every day in everything we do. And we especially worship him when we come together as believers in Jesus Christ and worship him gathered around the ministry of the word of God and singing his praises. So there's not a lessening. The brother that says all days are sacred is actually the one that is more strict. And so I want to encourage you. The word of God is very clear that we are called to gather together as Christians to teach and preach the word of God. And to encourage one another. The clearest command for coming to church is from Hebrews. And the purpose is so that we can encourage each other as we prepare to stand before Jesus Christ. And that's what this passage is saying. We will all be judged. Make sure your brothers and sisters are ready for that judgment. So we live for the Lord and we will be judged. Now, that's the first half of the solution. Let me give you the second half. The the second half of the solution is love your brothers and sisters. Love your brothers and sisters. Look at me at the second half of Romans 14, and I'm going to read it and and again, just say a few words. Paul says in, in verse 13, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. 
So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. And blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And, and let, me just, let me just point out two things about these verses. Number one, the Christian life. And number two, the law of love. Paul describes the Christian life as righteousness. That means that you are seeking to obey God. Your new life should be characterized as someone who follows what God has clearly told you to do. That means you need to know His commands. There is a place to study Exodus. But, this is not a list of rules from the outside. It is peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not just righteousness that you try to attain to. It is God working His righteousness in you and through you in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is peace and joy. Peace because we know that we are forgiven through the precious blood of Christ. And it is joy because we experience the blessings through obedience in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have fellowship with God Himself. My prayer is that we would all experience the Christian life this way. So that's the Christian life. Now the law of love. Paul says, do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Notice that Paul very clearly said, all food is clean. You want to eat pork, eat pork all day in moderation. But if your brother can't do that with a clean conscience, put your brother before your freedom. Love your brother. So, so even though I have a clean conscience to eat bacon, imagine for a second I didn't. And I felt like I just it was a sin before God for me to eat bacon. Would you love me enough to not eat bacon around me? Would you limit your freedom so that I wouldn't stumble and before God feel like the community of faith was living in sin and disobedience? Would you love me enough to limit your freedom? Very often, I believe we put our own desires before our brothers. Bacon is universally popular here. This is not actually a great example. But here's where we do fight. There are people who have opinions about the order of service. There are people who have opinions about how we take care of our building. There are people who have opinions about what kind of music we sing in both first and second service. And very often, we want to act as though our preferences are the law of God. And we have no patience for someone who has a different preference. And Paul is saying to us, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, with the authority of God, put your brother first. 
your own preferences take a back seat. Love your brother. And can I just be very honest, very transparent? I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm talking about me right now. One of my biggest fears as a Christian, not even as a pastor, but as a dad, as a husband, is of being a fundamentalist crank. I have friends who were destroyed by strict rules. And I don't ever want to be someone who has this life so figured out that I can't tolerate people who disagree with me about how to walk in obedience. And so I would ask you to pray for me, especially as someone who preaches and teaches, that God would grant me humility. We want to pursue obedience. We do. But we have to do it with an attitude of love. And so I very seriously, as an application at the end of this message, want to ask that you would faithfully pray for me that God would bless me with humility so that we can pursue what makes for peace and love. The second application I'd like to make, celebrate the work that Christ has brought us near to God, that celebrate the work of Jesus Christ. We're about to do that in communion Let it be a sweet time of celebrating that we can come into the presence of God because of the blood of Jesus. Because he died for our sins and rose from the dead, we are welcomed into the awesome and holy presence of God. Even as we continue to make war against the flesh and struggle with our sinful natures, we can come into the presence of holy God. And that is a cause for celebration, and it should put a smile on your face. The last point. Seek to be led by the Spirit in obedience. If you have heard this message and thought, okay, uh, it's all about love and I don't need to worry about obedience, you need to read Romans. Read Romans real clearly. There is no place for sin and disobedience in the life of a believer. We are to joyfully be led in obedience in the Holy Spirit. So next week we will look at the Ten Commandments, and I believe that we have some hard truths that we as a church need to wrestle with, areas of obedience where we perhaps need to repent, and we need to seek to obey in the power and love and joy and peace of the Holy Spirit. So let me urge you to seek the Spirit. That happens in prayer, and that happens in the Word of God, and that happens with other people loving you and praying with you. So commit to seeking to be led by the Spirit in obedience. And again, I, I want to stress again, that only happens in church. And it's hard to do it in an hour-long service. So I want to encourage you, you can maybe come to Sunday school, you can invite somebody to lunch afterwards, but we need to be encouraging each other in faith. And the Holy Spirit in me sometimes has something to say to you, and the Holy Spirit in you sometimes might have something to say to me, and that only happens if we make time to talk to each other about our faith. So seek to be led by the Spirit in obedience. And lastly, seek reconciliation. The Bible says, leave your gift at the altar if you are not right with a brother. Seek reconciliation. If, if this message has spoken to you and you've thought, I am in conflict with someone, let me encourage you, commit today to making it right with them, to seeking peace and love. If you have failed to love your brother, that is sin. Confess it and then seek reconciliation. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that we who are sinners were washed and made clean. We who were once 
far away from you are now welcomed into your presence, which would destroy us were it not for the cleansing blood of Jesus. Thank you that we are welcomed into your fellowship. Lord, we want to taste it more. We want to experience your peace. We want to experience your joy. Make each of us, and together as your church, all of us, full of your spirit so that we experience righteousness, joy, and peace. And Father, I pray this in the name of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus, I can ask. And because of the blood of Jesus, I believe you will give. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.